This is Katie B, and you are about to listen to an early episode of my podcast. Now the show is called The Move Your DNA Podcast, and you can find all episode transcripts and the show notes to this episode at nutritiousmovement.com slash podcast. Enjoy. Hey, hey. Every once in a while, Katie or I will be away from home, so I'll pull out one of these older shows we recorded earlier. I think this one is from May, so the content may not be timely, but I find it interesting all the same, and I hope you do too. Thanks. You're listening to Katie Says, the podcast that helps you become aligned and well. Join us for conversations with Katie Bowman, biomechanist, creator, and director of the Restorative Exercise Institute, author, teacher, blogger, mother, and total body nerd. Understand the mechanical causes of modern ailments, learn how to fix them, and restore yourself to a more functional state of natural human movement. We hope you find the general information on biomechanics, movement, and alignment informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and shouldn't be used as such. And now, your host, Danny Hammett. Hi there. Thank you for joining us. My name is Danny Hammett, and I get to talk with Katie Bowman each and every show. Katie, welcome. How are you feeling today? I'm good. Well, I didn't get that much sleep last night, but I'm, I'm, I'm rearing to go. Excellent. Did you have a walk yet today? Not yet. Um, it's early here, and I did a podcast interview this morning, and so what I have done was I stretched during that podcast interview, and I'm stretching during this one, too. I'm doing my calf stretch right now. Oh, me too. We're twinsies. Twins. Okay, so I know this has just been lighting up your email board, I'm sure, about the Vibram Five Fingers suit. So I'm going to give a little background on this for the listeners. Last week, Vibram Five Fingers, that's the the five-toed shoes, had to settle a class action lawsuit for 3.7 million bucks. And it was brought by a Florida woman who claimed that Vibram had misrepresented the health benefits of wearing the shoes for running. And I actually reviewed the court's memorandum and believe it or not, it's very interesting. I haven't read a lot of court memoranda. This is my first one ever. Very interesting because the woman who brought the suit, she never claimed any injuries that were recognized in court. Her suit was based on the fact that she spent money too much, according to her, on shoes that didn't live up to advertised claims. Were you able to read that? I did. Yeah, I read the case that was available. Probably the same when you read it. Did you read the one that was linked to the article that I had linked? No, I, I looked it up and mine was from before the settlement, but the actual, the verbiage of the suit that was brought. So this was, it was dated the end of 2013. Yeah, I, I read all that. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. I think that people are confused because it's not about the shoes um, creating injury. The woman doesn't have any injuries that she's reported on her lawsuit. It was just simply about, she didn't feel that, um, she felt that the claims were exaggerated and not supported and that they elicited, you know, excessive amounts of, of money. And I can go on and, and on. Also, I think it's important to clarify that they didn't really settle in the way that people think. What they did was they put money in escrow. It's It was so, it's so smart because what they did was they established a certain amount of money to go into an escrow. Should people wish to get a refund they could out of that money. It's not like that money, the only the only people who for sure got money were the lawyers involved. Yeah, I'm sure they got plenty too. 
they got, yeah, I think it was something like just a little, under a million dollars for that. But everything else, the money is sitting there, which my husband was saying, he's like, and that's, I mean, and, and really that's not a class action lawsuit. Like that's what good customer service is, right? You're unhappy with our product? Fine. We set aside money for you to get a refund if you feel that the product was advertised to you maliciously. That's a good point. I try not to read comments on, on the internet. Um, I know, just because they really bum you out sometimes. But I was reading some about this and uh, it said in the Washington Post website and it said, oh, great, I've got three pair. Where can I get my refund? (laughs) Yeah. So you were happy with three pair, but you still want to get some money back, you know? Well, and the other thing was, I also read someone else's, um, it might have been like a a Twitter comment or something where someone said, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn in my old pair for $20 to reinvest for my new pair. Oh, my. Yeah. I think Vibram handled handled it pretty well. And Vibram, Vibram, I don't know how you say it, but I would say Vibram. You say Vibram, and it's like um, Vibra La Difference. That was a joke. You get uh, it? I didn't. I'm sorry. Instead of Viva La Difference, it was Viva Oh, La man. Well, you know, it's early if, here, even though I'm an hour later than you if are. If you don't know French, it might have been over your head. Unfortunately, that's what I got my degree in. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Seriously? French oh. and Deutsch. Yeah. Okay, let, let me do it again. Viva La Difference. Oh. <laughs> Is that better now? Oh, you are so clever, huh? Mm. I just want to tell you what upset me about this. I felt better after I read your blog post, and we'll link to that in this podcast. Uh, had a lot of good insights and an interesting way of looking at it that did kind of make me feel better. But what bugged me is that the headlines that were just barfed up all over the internet intimated, I guess if vomit could intimate, that the shoes were the opposite of healthy. Like they were actual... Uh, harmful wolves in funny monkey toed goofy shoes. And I guess that kind of made me mad was one, the, the irresponsibility of the headlines. And two, the fact that even though Vibram has something on their website about how to transition in to the shoes, it's quite extensive. I, I wonder how many people, do people really follow that? What are your, how'd you feel when you read those headlines? I know you were having a screen free week, but it came through. I was sucked out of, well, it was a screen free in quotes because I was still working. I just wasn't doing social media, but people thwarted my screen free week by directly emailing my inbox that they knew I they couldn't take a week away from, certainly right now. But um, I deal with headlines like this every single day. So how people feel about seeing things like uh, what could only be described as like pretty slanderous uh, coverage of the issue. I say slanders because like I I was reading a couple of them that were just, I mean, I hope they were done in jest. I hope they were done just to be inflammatory and that someone didn't actually think they were doing journalism, you know, using the F word inside pieces about, you know, effing ugly. You know, it's like, I'm surprised that they didn't get sued for being effing ugly and, you know, and, and basically implying that people who purchased them were suckers. Yeah, I read that, a lot of that. So I think, you know, if you wear them, then you feel particularly called out for being like, like stupid, like that you, that you were suckered into buying this thing. Um, of course, the irony being that all of those people making all those comments didn't actually read <laughs> any of the material associated or else they would recognize that their comments on the matter were as ridiculous as they were implying other people for being, you know, duped. You know, it was just, it's just like a whole thing of irony. So anyway, I feel that way pretty much about everything that's written all the time. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's why I don't read comments is because it, it, it can be kind of ignorant and they're not aware of all the information. 
And we've all been guilty of that at some point. But I guess that kind of bugged me that so many people were just like vehemently declaring that, ha ha, sucker, I was tired of looking at your ugly shoes anyway. Ha ha. It's like, whoa, this isn't even what that's about. Right. Not helpful. So I, I think I felt compelled to come out of my hiatus because... You know, I have spent years helping people understand the merits of these, none of which this court case has to do with at all. Then I also like to highlight that I actually, the suit was about running, if you you read the, yes. the work. So she was just, she was essentially, I, what the funniest thing that I found about that court, uh, it's not a docket, the, the packet of information was, was the way that the lawyers had worded that Vibram had been particularly, um, I want to say dupeful, but that's not like they particularly deceitful, deceitful. Yes. In that they didn't claim in their advertising. So obviously they're saying advertising is something different than the other parts on the website that listed things like don't keep running them if they hurt you and transition, you know, I don't, I don't really agree with their transition guidelines, but setting that aside, it's not like they weren't there. The, The funniest part was that the writing of this court case was, was like, and the shoes don't even work unless you change your gait pattern and, <laughs> and, and, and of which could be, you know, painful just in itself. And I was like, yeah, everyone who does exercise to improve knows that it hurts. Like it's not, it was just so, re- it was a physiologically ridiculous presentation. Very and, much. Yeah. And I think a lot of people were like, that felt like Vibram had caved because it was obviously just a kind of an asinine suit with the exception of, yes, you know, if we're going to, if we're breaking everything down semantically and you say that your shoe will make you healthier. And I don't, I don't know exactly what their, their wording was. So I couldn't evaluate it. Um, was, was that yes, if it implied if you implied as a company that just putting a shoe on your foot and running around in it would make you better in your advertising, then, I mean, then they have, I believe, a, a legal claim there. But it's, a, it's an argument. It's a, it's a court case about semantics. It, it totally is. And I was just going to read this little bit. Couldn't get over it this weekend. This injury is an economic injury that she's claiming. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was what it's about, is, is that she paid $100 for shoes, and and how much I don't know how much a regular running shoe costs probably what eighty bucks or something hundred bucks I guess yeah it's, As, yeah it was certainly wasn't like I I just found that part also okay it turns out the whole thing is hilarious because that whole part about it being they duped her out of money because of these magnificent claims it's like how how many running shoes are significantly less than eighty five to a hundred dollars like right not one that you would wear if you're a serious runner. Exactly. And even those, the shoes that Skecher made that were, they don't make them anymore. And they had a $40 million lawsuit brought against them. They're called Shape Ups. They were like a rocker bottom tennis shoe. And those were actually, do you remember those? They came out about five years ago or something. They're supposed to give you a nice butt. Yeah, I was an expert witness in that case. Oh, awesome. Okay. I did not know that. So much to talk about. Um, so, I can't talk about it. No. Before. Okay. Uh, well, I'll just, I'll talk about that. But, but huh. that was actually injury. Okay. And that's funny because those also can cost up to $100. This was totally about, like you say, semantics. And there's some stuff in this court memorandum, this price premium theory of injury. That's what she's claiming, that she had this economic injury. And what they base this on, the standard measure of damages in cases of deceit or deceptive advertising is called the benefit of the bargain rule. 
whereby, and I quote, the plaintiff is entitled to recover the difference between the value of what he has received and the actual value of what he would have received if the representations had been true. So that's saying that she only got $40 worth of health benefits out of uh, out of something that she paid $100 for. So what what would $100 worth of health benefits be? It doesn't even make sense. And they have to follow precedent and rules in court. And I understand that. But I just wonder, how can they gauge what that $100 worth of benefits would have been? Um, well, to- someone, someone somewhere said how they could. But as with anything, the value of something is is what you pay for it. I, I sat once I was on a on a flight and I sat next to the dean of um, business college, a big business college that will go unnamed. Mostly because I can't remember the name of it. And um, <laughs> it wasn't Harvard, but it was like the one, like Wharton. I don't know. But yeah, okay. you're talking about value or, co- you know, what's the, what is the value of something? And he was like, well, in short, the value of something is what people habitually pay for it. So those norms are just established by what a bunch of other people do. You know, if, if footwear as just foot coverings, you know, simple foot coverings, which, of course, provides a health benefit of like you're not getting poked or stabbed by stuff that you walk around makes walking more comfortable are somewhere between 40 to $60, but you paid a hundred dollars for a shoe that you thought were going to, um, miraculously change you into, you know, a healthier person just by slipping them on your feet. Then that difference is what? 40 bucks. Yeah. And like you brought up orthotics. Mm-hmm. Well, a- that was my, I posted that yesterday because the, de- the it's not really, a de- I mean, it's not a debate, except I think, I think the wave has passed, except I just like to put it out there that a main um, point of the case was that this company was using unsupported claims. And, and to be brief, what they were doing was there's barefoot literature, right? There's research on barefoot. And what, uh, what Vibram was doing was using the barefoot literature to say, here's the, here are the physiological uh, advantages to doing something um, barefoot as research. Here's the research. And our shoes are close enough to barefoot. So therefore, what you get when you're barefoot is also what you get in our shoes. And you can't really do that because it's not the same thing. I mean, I would say that most people will think, well, what they were implying was perhaps that the the minimal, the Vibram body shape allows your foot to be closer in mobility to what it is when it's barefoot than when it is when it's shod in something with a stiff sole. But that actually what you would have to do to make those claims is you would have to have a separate study that compared bare feet to Vibram to see if those effects were the same. And that wasn't there. What I posted yesterday kind of on our Facebook page was just a link to um, orthotics, a, a link to a discussion on the research around orthotics and how orthotics themselves are not, orthotics is a category. And so that there's, you know, literature that shows that certain orthotics in certain populations have had certain effects, but yet everyone prescribes all sorts of different orthotics unresearched all of the time and spend way more money than what they spend on Vibrams because, and that they get them kind of throughout their life. And it's coming down through a medical prescription channel and that falls under the exact same category as as one portion of the Vibram lawsuit yet no one is up in arms about um, uh, orthotics being a non-evidence-based 
practice. But who are you going to sue, though? Right. Why why do you think... I have people come into my my Healthy Foot class all the time, and they're mad because they spent $500 on their orthotics and three weeks of, of doing exercises with restorative exercise. Their feet feel better than they ever have. So they've, they've spent a lot. That happens a lot with unsupported claims that products made. Why do you think Vibram got the raw deal with this? I think that someone just saw the potential to bring about a class action lawsuit. I mean, I think it was, I think it was that simple. I also think that there's a backlash against... I think that rightly so, there is a, we're, we're kind of getting to the point where I think we're fed up with advertising. So people are cracking down on advertising. And when I was working as an expert in like the preliminary stages of a claim like this, the way it works is there's like a review board who brings in a lot of different experts and is trying to figure out, you know, they don't know physiology. So they depend on other people to discuss stuff and like, well, what, how, how is this claim derive like they're trying to figure out if it's you know like purposely deceitful um, or whatnot so it must have just got through I can't imagine that the woman who brought the claim was originally thinking of putting together a class action suit it's probably just a perfect storm between representation who saw the um, potential and there must have been just enough material created by Vibram where it seemed feasible that something, you know, could get through the earlier preliminary stages of the court case. Do you think this would have happened? Sorry, if if um, they were forty bucks a pair? No, I don't think so because because the amount of the dollar amount would be too small. See, that's the, I mean that's the thing. Like hundred a hundred dollars is a lot to a lot of people. I mean, I, we have to remember that you know exercisers and themselves, fitness people. Um, they, it is a culture, you know, it's a very niche group of people. So, you know, my parents and your parents would probably not purchase a pair of shoes for a hundred dollars. In fact, I remember my dad's 86 and he had, he'd been wearing the same pair of shoes for a really, really long time. And he's had <laughs> both of his hips replaced. And so that I'm going to treat you to a new pair. And he walked every day, miles, you know, early on. And he said, these old shoes. And I said, I'm going to buy a new pair of shoes. And I'm like, well, these shoes are fine because he comes from the depression, you know, right. he grew up in the depression. And so I bought him a pair of shoes, gosh, when I was in college, so it was like 15 years ago. And I spent $85 to get him a nice pair of athletic shoes, you know, that had cushion there. And, 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 um, he still has them. They're still the, his pair of running shoes like 15 years later, but he couldn't believe how much they cost. So I think that the to the general public, the, the people who wear $300 Manolo Blahniks, that's a, that's a tiny, tiny population of the right. world. Everyone watches Sex in the City, but no one wears those shoes except a really, really small amount of people who live in areas where that's how people dress. And then some people, like one or two people, outliers who live in, you know, Montana. I'm sure you could find someone in Montana who's who's passionate about, you know, uh, fashion footwear. Oh, yeah. And then athletics, like all of us who have been doing athletics and teaching exercise and and being, you know, fit for a long period of time. Shoes are part of that equipment. It's fitness equipment. It's not, they're not shoes. They are something different. There's a whole category of health-making shoes. And so these new types of shoes, they're not really 
I mean, they're shoes, but they're not seen as shoes. They're seen as a frivolous piece of health equipment in this case. Which is it, funny because you can go buy a pair of like Izumis for $140. My husband bought a pair um, when he used to run. And then I kind of tried to get him to transition over to Vibrams and just, you know, walking in them. I don't think he's ever run in them still. He just walks in them. But it was really hard for him to kind of justify, well, even though they're the same or less than those pearl Izumis, they... You know, it's for the same purpose. It's athletic footwear. It's just harder for people. I don't know if it's because they're super thin, because they're silly looking, or what the deal is. But They're not very substantial. That's another thing, too. It's like, why charge so much for something that is less? You know, it's how a lot of, how a lot of people think about it. Right. But that's because, the, I mean, the cost of a product is not the cost of the materials and putting it together. There are lots and lots of invisible costs. And one of the things that Vibram spent so much money on was breaking through a wall of sorts. I I find that a lot of what they spent their money on was getting people to be aware that their footwear that they were wearing was affecting their body. How they chose to do it is how we kind of, how we all choose to present stuff. It's a little inflammatory. It's a little attention grabbing and you, and you have to simplify. I mean, that's my irritation with people just in general. And I try not to be irritated with people just in general, because I love people. And I get why this is, but is that they that they are so focused on what's being left out. When they when they read something, they can't take the merit out of it. All they can do is recognize the holes without without realizing that if someone actually took the time to put every single word in so there were no holes, they wouldn't read it because they won't take the time. Right. And and that's actually something I wanted to ask you is that they have like I said, a pretty substantial education on transitioning in their website and exercises to do, stop if this hurts or, you know, take a long time. It could take up to a year, stuff like that. What could they be doing more of and would it matter? Would people read? I I mean, I wonder how many people have actually read through the whole educational piece on transitioning to Vibram Five Fingers or if they put them on and they take off running. I know plenty of people that have done that. Sure. And I, I think that it's they're a product. They're a product company. They can be a responsible product company. And what they should have done was say, in order to reap the benefits of these shoes, you need to find an expert or, or go get a guide. And, and here's how you transition and not have tried to be both the product company and the teacher and the educator. They probably because, wouldn't sell a lot of shoes that way. Right. And see, that's the thing. And so that if people are like, oh, if I got to do all this work to get these shoes to work, but then then this happens. And so I think it was this for them. It's a it's a it was a risk that they took. And and, and really, the payoff is pretty low. I mean, the lawyers got about a million bucks. There's a few million sitting in escrow for people who want to turn their vitamins back in, probably which will be hardly anyone. I just don't think that there's going to be a ton of people t- taking and turning their vitamins back in. And do you think because because there's that many people that like them or they just don't want to go to the effort? Well, I think I think effort has almost everything to do with it. But I also don't I also don't think that there's that many people who are unhappy with them. I don't feel that that many people feel duped. I think a lot of people go, eh, I bought it. My responsibility, I think it's a very, it's a very specific type of person who even subscribes to a class action, frivolous lawsuit mentality. And I think that that, while I do think that it's perfectly okay to call out and press, you know, bring a lawsuit against someone that you believe was um, out to do harm, but 
I don't, I didn't read that court case as that's what they were saying. Like they didn't even bring up the footwear doing harm. It was more about you had to do work to get this shoe to reap the benefits and the benefits may or may not exist. There is not enough research and not enough being, as I pointed out on the blog post, like not quantified and anywhere in science is there. It's, it's very subjective when something isn't, is enough. And even when something is enough, when we don't want to change our habits or our, our culture, then we just say what else was wrong with it and, and why we won't be changing anytime soon. It just becomes a an endless pile of work. So it's just about self-responsibility. So I, I think that, I think Vibram did exactly what they should have done. That's good, because I felt kind of bad for them last Friday. In fact, that's the only reason I got online to read feedback is because I was just certain in my naivety that everybody would be rallying going, I love my five fingers. I love them. And most of the comments were like, like I said, really people that were just upset about those shoes, not that they bought them because they didn't, but how funny looking or ugly they are. Yeah. And and out of every 15 or 20 comments, only one person would stand up and say, hey, I bought them. They changed my life. I love them. And everybody else that was being kind of ugly trolls about it was just mad because they're funny looking. So I guess I, I was hoping for a little more support, but the people that actually have used the shoes were pretty supportive. Why do you think those shoes make people so uncomfortable, though? I think, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a counterculture. To me, it's a counterculture. I mean, there's lots of things. Like, like to have grown adults call out other grown adults for something being ugly, it's just, that is a, that is a whole, like, comment, comment sections on the internet are a whole different culture themselves. What's going on there is not someone's uh, take on the article. Very rarely is it just someone feeling so moved by the article that they have to post a thoughtful comment. So um, stop reading the comment sections. Like I said, I was just hoping for a rally and everybody grabbing their hands, yeah. Red Rover style and saying, yeah, yeah but, think, but the people, I think the people who like, I love virus. I write virus. I, I mean, I, I've been talking about it. I support them. I teach other people how to use them professionally. And I don't leave one comment in support. I wrote a blog post mostly for other people, but I think that population isn't interested in playing that game. And that's why you didn't see people who are perfectly happy with their shoes going for that catharsis. Comment sections, um, in general, not all comment sections, I'm really proud of the Aligned and Well Facebook page because you almost see none of that. I do like the comment section on the Aligned and Well page. I think it's yeah. real respectful and sure. really civil. And, and I, and it's I, and more I, about learning instead of just like thrashing. Like sometimes a comment section reminds me of the ball pit at Ikea that the kids jump in. It's like this big thing and it's got a bunch of plastic primary colored balls, like yeah. plastic balls. Well, you don't jump in there to knit or crochet or to have some quiet time. You jump in there to go, wah, wah, and go cuckoo. And it's kind of like the same thing with, with getting on a comment board. It's You're only going there for pretty much that one specific action yeah. or feeling. Although now I have to modify that because sometimes when I don't know enough about a subject, I'll read the comment sections because embedded sometimes in those balls being flown, as you'll say, will be some great <laughs> arguments. Considering everything is is next to impossible because a lot of us don't have, it's not that you don't have like setting aside that you don't have training. Like when I read stuff on nutrition, I don't know hardly anything about nutrition. So, you know, I'm trying to learn about all these complex things and biochemistry and someone will say, well, here's where the statistics are and here's how I worked it out. And then someone who's a statistical epidemiologist will say, well, but you've done the statistics wrong. And 
you are basically what's what's ironic is it comes down to faith. You're looking at who um, seems to be presenting the most sound argument. You're still kind of subject to kind of going on like, oh, that feels more right to me. But but yeah. the tone of a comment makes sense. Like makes me go, okay, this person is just like calmly stating this versus like when you start calling people names and stuff. Like I don't even read those comments because they just make me feel badly and then that shortens my psoas that's true you do it's a rabbit hole though you have to be careful because you never know who's wearing the tinfoil hat and you'd have to follow up on an awful lot okay we're gonna wrap it up i have a question for you okay what was your very first pair of five finger shoes oh my gosh my very first pair of very first pair i don't remember the the model name they're gray and they had the it was like a like a ballet flat top so they weren't a full upper oh yeah the out Oh, yes. And and actually, you know what? See, this is why I love blogging so much. It's like, uh, it's like a diary because I don't keep scrapbooks or a diary. I didn't make any baby books, but I've got my blog and my blog really shows where I am through my life. So I got those before I had my son. So like four years ago, I got them and I, I can't even remember where. But I, I, I only wore them a little bit. And then I was I came up where I live now to the Pacific Northwest and went kayaking in them. And I fell in and they, <laughs> and they got that that kind of a, a sound water. You know, it's a, it's seawater, real kelpy. And I put them in a bag. And I didn't open that bag for like two days, which was oh, a Oh, no. I didn't know. I didn't know. Oh. It was my first pair. Like I hadn't even worn them. So I didn't know. They're so, I mean, they're prone to bacteria, right? Because they're material. And then when you put bacteria and like ocean matter together, they smelled so bad. They smelled like, like a rotten seal. Oh. And I, and I, and I washed them. It didn't matter. It didn't come out. It was like full colony. I had like full ecosystem. <laughs> So I put them in a bucket in Ventura where it's like hot and dry, where I was living at the time. And I just kind of, you know how you like throw a pair of like gardening gloves in the corner and then you find a mixture, they're all dry and crusty because they've been sitting there. Well, that, that absence of biological material, like I wasn't putting my foot in and essentially feeding that bacteria cells to eat. So they all died off and they smelled fine. And then I went back to wearing them until they got a hole. They were my first pair of Vibrams to have a hole. And now I'm on my third pair. So I've actually stretched... I've stretched them pretty far. I've had three pairs in they, 40 years. They do really stretch far. I agree. But I don't run in them. So I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's different. My husband, I have been working on a blog post for like the last two years on gait patterns and where you wear your Vibrams down. And it was interesting where, oh, my husband wore his down and where I, I wore mine to Hawaii and I poked a hole in them with one of those gnarly Hawaiian, we call them goat heads. Oh yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like a burr. It was so, like, the only thing that'll go through a Vibram is this thing. Like, I've, I've walked on nails. I've walked on glass. I've walked on all sorts of, sh- oh, um, lava rock. And the only thing that penetrated them was this burr. This, this those, those are very Hawaii. nasty. I didn't know they had yeah. those in Hawaii. We've got a lot out here in Montana. And once I had a hole, that was it. That, that hole became the stress riser. And then that's where they ended up failing. Well, my very first pair were are the little pink and orange, uh, but is it Bakila? Yes, I have those too. Those are good. And I have six pair, all different models, because I always want, you know, I just want to try them all out. And those I wore for a year and a half walking every day until they started to wear through. So that was pretty good. You know, you should put a link to your walk every day blog. That was a really good blog series. Oh, thank you. I'll put, maybe, put it in the notes, because I don't think most people know about that. And it's just an inspiration. Oh, thank you. Well, I know I'm going to keep buying Vibrams. And you probably are too. Well, I'm going to wear Vibrams. Okay. 
That's okay. You, you can wear those, and then I'll stand next to you wearing my Vibrams, and we'll see who looks cuter. Um, I have a lot of Vibrams. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's it for this show. Got any final words on it? No. Okay. That's it. Thank you for giving me your time. Thanks, Danny. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit Katie Bowman's edutaining blog, katiesays.com. For books, online classes, downloads, and continuing educational courses with Katie, visit the Restorative Exercise Institute at restorativeexercise.com. Her most anticipated book, Move Your DNA, will be available in September 2014. You can learn more about Danny Hemet at moveyourbodybetter.com and dannyhemet.com.